church family, we have made it to our last and final message of our battle series. I, man, I have to tell you, I want to say that in all the years preaching so far, I personally have truly been edified. I've been fed. I've been, I've been blessed. I've enjoyed just going through this journey with you guys as a church. Um, everything is recorded. So if you're like, wait, this is the last one? I didn't even catch the other ones. It's okay. We got Facebook, YouTube. We got podcasts. I mean, we got, it's everything. It's, that we got, it's, it's, it's all there. So you can listen to all of them. It has truly been a blessing. We've covered so much. And God's word has shown us that we can choose to be ready and equipped as we fight in this battle. Our enemy, Satan, he, likes, he uses temptation as his tactic to try to get us to fall and then establish strongholds in our lives, right? But we don't battle put these strongholds in our lives and we end up walking around defeated because we tried everything in our power and nothing has worked. But the thing is, that's the case. We do everything in our power. See, he has given us tools of warfare. Bro, you guys know me. I like all that stuff. Anything that goes boom, that's me. I like it. He has given us tools of warfare to defend ourselves and to fight back. He's given us his armor, the armor of God that we spoke about for a couple weeks. And he's given us additional weapons. And last week, we spoke about some weapons. Last week, we started digging deeper into the arsenal that we discussed. And we discussed the power of your, the voice of your, uh, the words of your testimony. How your testimony, and I think we, did we elaborate that on Thursday night? Was it well, a little bit? Uh, it was the, the power of the words of your testimony don't you know when the enemy comes up and it's like, oh, God, don't, he don't care about you. He don't, like, well, actually, I don't know about you, but I know that I once was, bl- oh, man, how did that, the guy, he, man, the, the, one of the speakers, one of the speakers in, in, the, in the conference, he was just like, anyway, I once was lost, and now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see no one could take that from you. No one could take that from you. My marriage was a mess, and, 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 and God came into our lives, and he rocked it. He changed it. He transformed it because we both surrendered ourselves to him. Or, better yet, because even one spouse surrendered themselves to him. Because I understand that there are some times that we can't control what the other spouse does, but you can control what you do. Surrender yourself completely to God. We talked about another weapon called praise and how powerful praise is, how powerful praise can be. And, and, and how, how it also brings down the strongholds. And that's why I said, be, I challenge you, church. 
I challenge you not to stay shut. I challenge you to open your voices. I challenge you to lift those hands. I challenge you to, to, to dig. As I, Imagine, you know, listen, you, you guys, has anyone ever lost something in the beach? Anybody ever lost keys in the beach? Like, you stuck in the beach, and you start, what, what are you doing? You digging, and I mean, like, everywhere, and, and, and I mean, but you digging. Like, I know it was here, and, and, and you're digging, and you're digging, and you're digging. Listen, we have to seek God in that manner. Like, I can't leave until I find him. I can't leave here until, listen, you can't leave the beach unless you find your keys, right? We, you, should come in every, you should come in every Sunday morning and be like, I cannot leave here until I find him. Even if that means having, uh, extending the services and be like, listen, Pastor, I know you said we was done, but can I be right here for a minute? Can I stay right here? Can you just put music on in the background? Can you put something on? I mean, I, just, I'm not, I haven't found him yet. I haven't, I, I can't leave. I, I ain't going to tell you no. I'll be like, Marcus, put some music on. They seeking. They seeking. Today. We're going to add some more weapons to that list as we wrap up this series. I want to read the verse that we read last week as a reminder, 2 Corinthians 10.4. It says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We cannot get stuck on trying to fight these battles with our own strength. We can't do it. We can't do it. Nothing but frustration, stress. Uh, you'll be demotivated. Before you know, you're like, I don't, I, don't, I don't need any of this. Because you were exhausted and because you were doing it all on your own strength. First weapon of the day. Is prayer. Prayer. Praise and prayer. Before, before we move forward, we have to understand that prayer is not just words spoken. Right? Because I, I know we're guilty, and I'm, I'm even going to say this phrase later, so it's not that it's not that it's wrong, but I don't want us to stop there, right? Prayer talking to God, right? We say prayer is talking to God. That's not wrong. That's not wrong at all. I'm even going to say in a minute that prayer is talking to God, just like we talk to each other. I'm going to say that in a moment. But the thing is, we can't just let it stop there because guess what? You talk to the bus driver when you get on, but you have no relationship with the bus driver. You'll talk, you'll talk with some, you know, you, you, you do the head nod and hello, good morning when you're walking to work and someone's walking the other way. Hey, good morning. Hey, what's up? Nice day. Okay. You don't know them. You don't have a relationship with them. So talking to God, but, but there's more to it. There, there, it goes further than that. It goes further than just words. Prayer is a relationship. It's a relationship. It's all about relationship. When we were kids, or some of us with our, with our kids, we uh, want to teach them how to pray. We want to get them into the routine, into the tradition, into the fact that prayer has to be a part of everyday life, right? And so, so 
some prayers sound like this. God is great. God is Let us thank him for our amen. How about this one? Good food. Good meat. Good God. Let's eat. <laughs> Last one. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. If I may die throughout my life, I pray the Lord. And some of us don't know that from, from church. Some of us know that from some hip-hop song back in the day. I, that's all I'm saying. I started getting flashbacks just saying it right now. <laughs> We know, some of y'all know, what, some of y'all know what, what track that was on. <laughs> oh, man. Woo! But it's so cute. It's so cute. Oh, so adorable when our little ones are praying like that. Like, it, it's, so, it's so nice for them to do that. But these... To, but, to these exact prayers over and over, day after day, and we want to establish a, a lifestyle of prayer with them. But, honestly, when our children are saying these, well, not all of them, but there are times when they repeat these prayers that they're just saying it so they can fulfill an obligation. They become words fulfilling an obligation and no longer words of relationship. And some of us are praying the same prayers over and over. Not that, God, not that we cannot pray for the same thing. I'm talking about we have a rehearsed prayer. Like we go to bed and we say the same prayer and the same prayer. And before you know it, it has become a prayer of obligation. And we no longer have relationship you're not going to be in a relationship with somebody and say the same thing day after day after day and never talk about anything else. You don't, you don't talk like that with people that you have a relationship with, you know. Prayer is all about relationship, and when we understand that it's about the relationship, then the way we pray is, is changed. Like when you realize that, wait a minute, when I... Praying is a form of relationship that I have with the Father, then it affects the way I pray. It should change it. God is a real person. He's not a concept. He's not a theory. Knowing that he's a real person means that it's not just about a certain length or a certain... Uh, you know, uh, a recorded track that has to be played over and over. It's you're like, you know, you're, you're, what, what you say, you have to say what you actually mean, what you feel, and then move on, not just repeat something. You're talking to someone, to, to a living God, a living God. God is not impressed. God is not, we were just listening to a message this morning about praying. Um, the Pharisee and the tax collector. But God is not impressed if you talk more than the next guy. I'm not saying that if you're a long prayer, <laughs> that, you're, that you're wrong. I'm not saying that. I mean, hey, if, if, if that's part of your conversation at the moment, then fine. 
But what happens is some people feel now obligated. Let's say Carlos comes up here and he prays and he's like, Lord, blah, blah, blah. And he's praying, he's praying. I'm like, I'm next. I got to pray next. And he prayed a little long. How am I going to pray that long? Then I come up here and I'm like, Lord. Pause. Thank you for all. Pause. That you've done. We could not have done it without. And then all of a sudden you find yourself trying to extend your prayer because you feel that only the long prayers make it into the Hall of Fame. It's like, it's like you think God is out there like this, like, okay, Kev, go. And Kev's like, amen. Ooh. It's only a minute and a half, bro. I don't know. I don't know. And you'd be like, okay, Shannon, go. Eight minutes? Oh, I can work with eight minutes. I can work with, you know what? Give her what she needs. I mean, do we, I mean, it's so, it's funny when we illustrate it that way, but some people are in bondage because they feel that they have to pray a certain way or a certain length to then feel like it made the cut. And then what happens is because you feel that way, it almost discourages you to pray and you don't use the weapon of prayer. <sighs> sorry, sorry. I know, I know, I know. It's like I'm laughing before I say it because I, I, I'm, I'm imagining somebody doing it. All right, so it's not, and it's also not how you pray, right? Some people feel that uh, God miraculously starts to listen to our prayers when we speak to him in the King James Version. <laughs> oh, thy God, take thy servant, O oh Lord. Bless thee with the desires of thine heart. And we feel that, like, that we have to pray with certain words for God to listen. Hear me out, guys. Prayer is sacred. Prayer, is, there's reverence in prayer. Prayer, I'm not saying that it's, it's it, I'm not degrading prayer, but what I'm trying to let you understand is prayer is about the relationship we have with God. If you were not born in the, what was it, 1800s or uh, 17, 16s, whatever, you weren't born in King James Version time, then guess what? I don't expect you, nor does God expect you to speak in King James Version. I mean, come on. Can we be honest with each other? If you feel that way, there's something that's called a religious spirit. Uh, some of y'all missed it. Some, some y'all, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to throw it out there. I said, it, 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 but, it, but if you feel that way, if you just happen to feel that it has to kind of be this way, meaning King James Version, a certain length, a certain, if you, if you feel, if you're struggling 
with accepting that, then there's something that's called a religious spirit. And it's a stronghold in your life right now. And it's having a hard time receiving the truth of what this is. But we're not going to go there. I just throw it out there for y'all to, like Al says. Al's in California, but to chew on it. You know? Be natural. Talk normal. You can't impress God. We cannot impress him. You cannot impress God. Talk to him. It's a relationship. So relate to him as a person. Do you know that there's nothing in the Bible that says that we even have to close our eyes when we pray? Yo, some of y'all are like, wait, Pastor, you just messing me all up this morning. What are you talking about? Now, I recommend you close your eyes because when we close our eyes, the rest of the world disappears, right? The rest of the world disappears, and now you have that, uh, that, that ability to focus on your prayer between you and God. So closing your eyes is good. And for people like me, it's a mandatory thing because, you know, I'm going to be like, oh, well, a bird. Oh, squirrel. Yeah, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. Like, I, like you know, I, 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 you know, you know that. So I need to have my eyes closed, right? But in John eleven forty one verse 42, it reads, So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked, say looked, up at the heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. I'm going to start the timer now, by the way, guys. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to be here. Be here. All right, let's just assume I've been up here for like, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes. All right. Um, <laughs> Jesus, he, he prays with his, idol, his eyes open. I mean, you can't, you can't close your eyes and drive. Some of us spend time with God in the car on the way to work. Does that prayer not count because we were driving and we had our eyes open? No. We can, we can pray to God while we drive, spend time in prayer with him, speaking with him. Prayer is about being honest with God. King David was honest with God, so honest <laughs> that some people like to call him the anointed whiner. It was the first time I saw that. But somebody somewhere calls him an anointed whiner. Check this out. Psalms chapter 69, verse 1 to 3. This is, this is David. This is David speaking, to, praying to God. Save me, O God. Let's read it like this. For the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. And I can't find a foothold. I'm, I am in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. I'm exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. And then, you know, what was this? Anybody? The little violin. 
He's he's whining to God. David was having a good old wine session. But there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Actually, it's better that you whine to God than you do to one another. You know that, right? Because whining not only is contagious, because then you whine and then you whine and then you whine, and then before you got a whole section of whiners over here. Oh, it's me. And they say misery likes. So it's better, yes, it's not wrong to whine to God. You know what? Let it out. Vent. Just, just speak to him. Are you hurt? Tell him. Are you depressed? Tell him. Are you angry? Yes. Are you angry? Let him know. Of course, of course, yeah, he can handle it. But of course, because he's still God and he's still holy and he's still sovereign, we still tell him, hey, I'm angry with you. We can do that with reverence. Okay? You you won't hear me say, just tell him however you want. No, you won't hear me say that. He's a powerful and holy God. So tell him how you feel, but you can always tell him how you feel with reverence. Respect. Some people are scared of coming to God and confessing the bad that they've done. Can I tell you a secret? He already knows. <laughs> he already knows. He is never surprised. You, you, you're never going to be like, yo, God, I just want to let you know that uh, uh, I didn't go the other day because... What? For real? That's why? That God, that God doesn't respond that way. God, you're never going to catch God off guard. He knew it all even before you did it. The scriptures tell us that God is omniscient. Omniscient means that he's all-knowing, all-knowing. He knows all things. He never discovers anything. He's never surprised. He's never amazed. He never wonders about anything. Hmm, I wonder, it's not God. You need to understand that, though. He is all-knowing. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16 says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will find, we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. He is not only interested in your struggle, he sympathizes with it. He sympathizes with it. So let's be honest in our praying. Prayer, in prayer we ask. In prayer, we ask. It's that simple. It's that simple. God encourages us to ask him to fulfill our needs. James 4, verse 2 says this. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. (laughs) Scheme. You have any schemers in the house? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Justin, you scheme and kill to to get it. To, to you, uh, you are jealous of what others have, but.
but you can't get it so that you, so you fight and wage war to take it from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Some of us are so busy looking around at what everyone else is doing, what everyone else has, what everyone else this and this and that. You know, yesterday we couldn't, we couldn't give Marvin a break. Caesar and I rode with Marvin. And um, we just had a great time. <laughs> and, and, and we were just messing with Marvin about some things, some material things that we were discussing. But the thing is that, guess what? He's blessed with that thing. And I'm not to be upset or jealous. I just don't have because, you know, maybe I don't ask God. Because I, I don't remember ever praying for, for that. Honestly, I don't remember ever, ever. I've never prayed for that. And so, therefore, I know everybody's like, what is it? <laughs> Go see Marvin. He'll tell you. <laughs> Marvin's going to have a line at the end of the service. <laughs> but it's true. Have you asked God for it? It's baffling to me at times to see how often we let things continue. How, how long do we let certain things go before we finally ask God for help? Come on. I, I, I tell people, like, prayer should not be the final option. You know how it is. I ain't nothing left to do but pray. Ain't nothing left to do. I tried everything. I'm going to pray now. Prayer is not your final option. It should be your first choice. First choice. John 3.16 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him should not perish but have an eternal life. God is giving by nature. First of all, if you're going to give your only son, there's nothing that can top that. There's nothing that you can ask for that will top that. He gave his only son, not only gave, he, to, to die, to die for you and me. He's giving by nature. He's a provider. Jehovah Jireh. Didn't we just sing that? Look at that. Now let's remember, and we talked about this before, this isn't God. Poof. God, I need a new Bentley. Right? He's not a magic genie that we rub out of the lamp and ask for whatever we want and then expect it to happen. Because if that, first of all, and I've mentioned this before, I don't want anyone to get swayed with this type of theology. I don't want anyone to be swayed in the doctrine that says all you have to do is ask God for it and you'll get it. Like, I know they use that verse. They use that verse as one of their, their core verses to support it, but there's so much more that they leave out of the word of God that together will give you the full context of what prayer is about. If it was that simple, then why are we, why are third world countries the way they are? I mean, I've been in some third world countries, and they have more faith than we do. They serve them more than we do. Their faith is crazy faith. So they should have all the money and the houses and the material things. I mean, because all they have to do is say it, and God will do it, right? If 
we go by that doctrine, all you have to do is say it. Don't get, don't get, mis, don't get, don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in that. He's given by nature. But there are conditions, and this is what I want to tell you. Conditions. John, 1 John 5.14. 1 John 5.14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according, say according, according. to his will, he hears it. So for everybody who just feels like saying, Lord, your word says ask for anything and you'll give it. Right now the lottery is at like 400 and something million dollars. Just give me that. And then you think he's, you're supposed to get it. And then when you don't get it, you're like, oh, Lord, you're not real. Because if you were real, you would have done what this one verse says. We just don't get anything we ask for. It has to be according to his will. If Abigail tells me, Daddy, give me the keys to the car real quick. I want to take it around the block. I'm going to tell her, No. You are too young. You are five years old. <laughs> no matter how many times she does her little, <clears throat> I mean, she's such a dramatic, she's such a dramatic little girl, right? She's, she, so she does this whole thing, and she'll pounce around, she'll put her head up, and she'll be angry. Please, Daddy, please, please, just give me the keys. Give me the keys. Give me the keys. No, no, no. But, Daddy, you love me. Give me the keys. Now, I'm so, I, now I have to give her the keys, supposedly, because, you know, I'm, that shows my love for her. We can't manipulate God. Please. It's still a no. You never let me drive. I want to drive. I want to drive. I want to drive. I want to drive. The answer is still no. Would it be in her best interest that I give her the keys? And she won't understand that until she gets older. That's how it is with us and God. Some of us are little Abigails before God saying, please, 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 please. And God is saying, no, no. There are reasons why he says no. But as we grow older in our walk with God, you turn around and you say, Oh, now I get it. Oh, Lord, please, please, please let me marry Alejandro. Please. Alejandro. Alejandro's back in this session. And God says, no, you can't marry Alejandro, but please. That's all I want, God. I just want to marry Alejandro, and I'll be happy. I'll serve you. I'll do everything you ever say. And God is saying, no, you can't marry Alejandro. Years later, you matured in your walk with God, and you realized that he loved you so much. And he didn't answer the prayer the way you thought you wanted because God knew that he was going to be a little gigolo and step out on you and step out on you with Juanita. <laughs> you look back and you say, oh, thank you, God. Thank you because you knew me better than I know myself. You knew the beginning from the end. 
I just need to learn to trust you more. You know what's best for me. But if we ask in according to his will, we'll get a yes every time. Our next weapon and our final weapon is fasting. Matthew 17, 14 to 21. So the people, Matthew, 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 14 to 20. Okay. And the, then they had come to him, the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down to him saying, Lord, I have mercy on my son for he is an epileptic and suffers severely for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus said, answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured that very hour. When the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will move mountains. Move from there here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, interesting how the word says it, however, comma, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. I lost my page. Okay. Prayer and fasting. His disciples were feeling a little salty. They tried to pray for somebody. It didn't work. Like they were praying for someone. The demon didn't come out. And they took him to Jesus. Jesus prayed. The demon came out. When Jesus was by himself, they went up to him like, yo, what's up? How come, how come we couldn't do this? And he says to them in verse 20, because of your unbelief. But then he wraps it up in verse 21. He says, but this, but this, however, this kind does not go out except by praying and fasting. This statement was made in the context of a direct clash with the kingdom of darkness. Obviously, Jesus didn't have time to be like, hold on a second. Leave, go fast and pray, and then come back and be like, pray for the, for, for the kid. We, obviously, he didn't do that. But for Jesus, fasting was a lifestyle. It was a lifestyle. And fasting should be a lifestyle for us as well. I know most of us know a lot of things about fasting. We talked about it, especially in every January we, we discuss this again. But I want to mention, entertain me while I mention a couple things. Fasting is going without food for spiritual purposes. I know today's society we've added other stuff. Oh, don't listen to radio. Don't listen to music. Don't watch videos. Don't watch this. I get it, and, and, and you can add that for some. But, but, truth, you know, but fasting, biblical fasting, biblical fasting is, is refraining from food for spiritual purposes. Psalms 35 verse 13 says, As for me, when they were sick, my, my, uh, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting, and my prayer would return to my own heart. Fasting. Fasting is a way of humbling ourselves. Of humbling ourselves. He says, I humbled myself with fasting. 
It's a way of humbling ourselves. It's an acknowledgement saying, God, I need you more than I need food. Some of y'all are like, ah, Pastor, I don't know about all that. You know I like to eat. I, you can like to eat. There's no problem. Enjoy the food, but understand this. We should always need God more than we need food. Fasting uncovers our spiritual problems as well. We need to fast with faith. Hebrews 11, 6, 11, uh, verse, verse, chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith. Now, you're just not going to, like, go without food, Right? And then that's it. You, you, you need to use your faith. You need to step in faith that God is going to, to, uh, to, to kind of to honor that sacrifice that you're making. Like, you need to have faith. Lastly, I want to close. I want to close with this. <laughs> Lastly, fasting gives power to prayer. Fasting gives power to prayer. All right, I don't know how many, how many speed guys we have, any, any like, you know, uh, mechanics, guys that like to super tune their cars up, right? But you can have a car, and you can make some adjustments, some additions to the engine, and you can knock up the horsepower. You guys, right? People know about stuff like that, right? So you can make your car beefier, Right? This is a way we beef up our prayers when we add fasting to it. This is a way we make it stronger. This is a way we make it more, more powerful. Jonah chapter 3, verse 5 to 10. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed the fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, then he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast, he put the animals on a fast, herd nor flock, taste anything, do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works and they turned from their evil way and God relented. He relented. He, he, yeah. Okay, okay, we're not going to stop. He relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. In this one situation, fasting saved the entire city of Nineveh and all the people in it. Second Chronicles 20, verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all of Judah. We talked about this last week, I believe, or the week before. I, I'm losing track, right? 
But we talked about how King Jehoshaphat was like, what am I going to do? My enemies are surrounding us all around. There's several armies up against us. There's no way we can win this. And he turned to the Lord in prayer and fasting. And God spoke to him like, just worship. I'll give you the answer of worship. Fasting in this moment saved the nation from annihilation. Esther chapter 4, verse 16. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go to see the king. And if I must die, I must die. Here we have Queen Esther, who in a moment where there was a decree to kill the Jews, to eliminate them. They had convinced the king that Jews were a threat and we shouldn't have them around, so let's just wipe them out. And here is Queen Esther, a Jew. Let's fast and pray. And then I'm going to go talk to that king. And it was illegal for the queen to see the king without being invited. The king had to be like, woman, come see me. And then she can go see him. But she says, I'm going to go to him. And they fasted and they prayed as a people. And God answered their prayer. And he turned, he, 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 he dissolved that decree. He took it back. And the Jewish people were saved. Moses fasted for 40 days when he went up to the mountaintop to receive God's law, the Ten Commandments. Fasting. Through his fasting and prayer, God provided the law that was to establish a nation. A nation set apart, and we talked about this on Thursday night. We talked about the old covenant. He fasted and brought back these tablets that showed them that they were to be different than the rest. Giving the nation of Israel a starting point for structure, but also the need for a savior. Ezra fasted before taking the exiled families back to Jerusalem so they could rebuild the walls. The king, I believe it was King Xerxes or something like that. It's, it, he, he, he was like, let me, let me hook you up. I'll send some people with you. I'll send some guards, some army guys. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, it might be a tough way. And, and, and Ezra's like, no, we got it. Thank you. We, we, I don't, I don't want to, you've done enough. Like, we, we're going to go. We, we, I don't want to use any more resources. We're going to go. And then it says that Ezra gathered them and they prayed and they fasted before their journey. And they made it to Jerusalem all safe in one piece. A dangerous journey that they took. 
a dangerous journey that they took. The power of prayer and fasting changed the nation. The power of praying and fasting saved the nation. The power of praying and fasting saved the Jewish people. The power of praying and fasting gave us the, uh, the, the word of God, the, God's law. The power of praying and fasting provides protection. You and I, today, right now, have access to that same power. Did you know that? You have access to the same power. Can you imagine what God would do in your lives? Come, you, you, you're, not, you're not getting it. You're not because y'all not excited right now. Listen, if you were to understand this power and understand that you have access to this power and understand that that this power has, I mean, it would change your Families' lives. It would change your community. It would change your church. It would change your city. It would change your marriage. It would change all the things that you feel are so overwhelming. I can't. It would be like, listen, God can do it. Church, just stand with me this morning. We are in a battle, church. We are in a battle. I'm going to go off this for a moment. Yesterday, one of the speakers, he mentioned three of David's mighty men that happened to be nearby David at the moment that David said, man, what I would do for some water. From Bethlehem. They heard, they heard that. And they must have huddled together and be like, you know what? Let's go get some of that water. But you know we gotta go into enemy territory. You know that it's gonna be intense. And like, like he mentioned yesterday, he said, he, the Bible doesn't explain really what they went through. Like it doesn't say they fought thousands and this and that. It, it says that they went and they got it, came back. So God, maybe God did something supernatural and maybe, maybe they just were that gangster and they took out a bunch of people. But those men were warriors, were fighters. If this is what our leader desires. I'll do anything for it. We serve a God. Jesus is our leader. He's my Lord and my Savior. If he says, man, I wish, I wish, you know, this would be, I'll do anything to make it happen. How many of us our living lives, that when we hear Jesus say something to us, we jump and says, I'll do anything for you, Lord. I don't care. I don't care how dangerous. Those guys put their lives at risk for Christ. Now, I'm not telling you to put your life at risk like in the street here, but you have to kind of live with a mentality that you'll give it all for God anyway. In this country, we have the freedom of understanding that we can't be persecuted 
or standing on the corner and preaching the gospel. But there are countries that you will be persecuted for preaching the gospel, and people are signing up, going to those countries, preaching the gospel, knowing I could be killed for this. They have made a decision to say, I will give it all. And some of us, we can't even give a little. We can't even, we can't even give a, I don't want to insult nobody. We can't even give a, a one Sunday, one, once a week service to him. We, we can't even, we can't even, three hours, tops, tops, hour and a half, two hours. And there are people that are saying, you know what? I'm willing to give it all. I'm willing to give it all. There's no running from this battle, but you need to decide whose whose side to fight on. (laughs) But you, you, you know that that there's no in-between, right? Let me remind you that not fighting for God means you're fighting against him. You, you guys know that, right? If you don't find yourselves fighting for God and for, and for, and for, and for his word and, and being bold for him, then you're doing the opposite. So in this series, we understand his tactics to try to tempt us to establish these strongholds. But church, you got weapons available to you. You got weapons to fight back, to defend yourselves. The question is this, and if um, I get a couple of the elders and to, to the front for prayer. This is the thing. The question is, as we bring this series to a close, I kind of want to pull like those, you know how like in Braveheart, they're like, who's with me? But, but I have to ask the same question. Like I look out at you guys, I look out at this family, this beautiful family. And I'm so happy to see each, new one, each and every one of you here. I'm so, I'm, I'm, it's a blessing to me when you guys are here. I'm truly blessed by you guys being here this morning. But the question still stands, who is with me in this fight? Who is with me? Who will join me in this battle and stand by our sides as our church moves forward not allowing the enemy to hold us back. The altar's open, and it's a different type of call. I want us to take a step of faith, not only acknowledging amongst one another, but before God, making, like, 
make, almost making a covenant with him today. He says, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm going to join in this battle. I am joining in this battle to fight. I'm going to ask you guys to come up if you're willing to join me in this battle. doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. doesn't matter if you're a, woman, a male or a female. I want to know, will you join me in this battle? Will you join me as we fight for our marriages? Will you join me as we fight for our children? Will you join me as we fight for the lost souls that are completely, completely everywhere you turn? There are lost souls. Come up, come up, come up, come up. Move closer like this. Yeah, come up, come up like this, come up like this. Make room, make room, make room, make room. We are making a decision today, church. We are making a decision today, church. You are telling each other. It's not just for me. You are, look, look to your left, look to your right. These are your brothers and these are your sisters. They are battling beside you. You are not alone. Father God, we are battling today. We are deciding today, some of us are deciding today, I have sat on the sidelines for way too long. I have sat and watched and observed for way too long. Put me in, coach. Put me in. Let me get some game time. God, I'm sorry. Put me in, Lord. Use me wherever you need, however you want. I surrender my life to you. This doesn't mean that we're going to have it all together. This doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect overnight. We're, not, we're never going to be perfect. We're always going to have uh, flaws and fall short. But are you ready to trust and obey the word of the Lord? Are you willing to trust the word of God? Are you willing to obey it? 